Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together, this time when we can reflect upon your word, this time when we can think about who you are and what you have for us to know. Lord, we just ask that you would pour your fruit into our lives, that we may be all the more people who are filled with your love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Pour that into us, we pray, Lord. We pray that in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, today we continue our series called Winning the War Within, and we're going to look at joy and peace. Last week we looked at love, we talked about how Christ was loving, how he loved unselfishly, how he didn't care about what others thought about him when he loved those who were poor and needy and outcast. He loved passionately all those who came in contact with him. And this week we're going to continue in the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to look at joy and peace. And I want you to look at that tree, it has all the nine fruit of the Spirit on it. And again, I want to remind you, for those who are last week, and tell those who weren't here last week, about this important fact. It is fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. We would want to say fruits because there's nine, it's plural, right? But it is purposely fruit of the Spirit because it is one fruit. We receive all the fruit when we receive the Holy Spirit. You don't just get love and and faithfulness and self-control or Uh, peace and gentleness and and, uh, generosity, you get all nine. They're all there within you. The Spirit has implanted that in you, that the goal now is to let the Spirit grow that in your life, to let it flourish in your life so that all nine are being exhibited, that as Christ followers, people will look at us and they will see all nine fruit at work in and through our lives. That is the goal here of what we're trying to do. And we're going to talk about this morning how we can have joy at all times and how our focus needs to be, and what we focus on help us, helps us to have peace in our lives. Jesus himself, and when you say, see the yellow part, read the yellow with me. Jesus said in John 15, 10 to 11, he said, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Talking about having complete joy. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. And then Jesus also said in John 14, 27, he said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus not only gives us a wonderful example of love, but he gives us a wonderful example of joy and peace, how we can have joy at all times and how our lives can be filled with peace, even in the most troublesome and challenging times. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.4 said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now let's listen to that again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. See, that's a challenging verse, isn't it? Because Paul is telling us to rejoice sometimes, right? No? What is he telling us to do? To rejoice always. Let's say it again. Rejoice always. Always. So what about when there's sickness? What about when there's an accident? What about when there's trouble in our life? What about when we have financial difficulties? What about when we get in a fight with someone? Are we supposed to rejoice then? 
And Paul would say, yes, you are. And I'm going to talk about why he tells us to do that and why we can do that. You may have heard of someone named Vic, Nick Vujicic. Nick Vujicic is someone who was born without any arms or legs. Nick Vujicic is a motivational speaker right now, and he touches people's lives all around the world. In fact, he's gotten into places where no one else can get to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. And he touches people's lives in special ways because of his challenge. But listen to some of his words. When he talks about his life, when he talks about his message, listen to some of what he says. First, he reads from James 1-2, and he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And then this is what he says. He says, To count our hurt, pain, and struggle as nothing but pure joy, that's tough. As my parents were Christians and my dad, a pastor of our church, they knew that verse very well. However, on the morning of December 4th, 1982 in Australia, the last two words of the minds of my parents were, praise God. Their first son had been born without limbs. In fact, he calls his tour Life Without Limbs. There were, my, uh, there were no warnings or time to prepare themselves for how I was to be born. The doctors were shocked and had no answers at all. The whole church mourned over my birth, and my parents were absolutely devastated. If God is a God of love, then why would he let something like this happen, especially to dedicated Christians, they thought. My dad thought I wouldn't survive for very long, but tests proved that I was a healthy baby boy just with a few men, limbs missing. Later on, I was given wisdom to understand that if we pray for something, if it is God's will, it'll happen in his time. If it's not God's will for it to happen, then I know that he has something better. I now see that glory revealed as he is using me just the way I am and in ways others can't be used. And then he quotes from the Apostle Paul from Philippians 4.13 when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nick says, God has a great purpose for your life. As far as your unanswered prayers, remember that God is faithful. What are we to do when we are seeking but not finding? And then he reads from Jeremiah 29.12. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you, declares the Lord. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. And then he closes with these words. Take courage, my friend, for the battle is the Lord's. And I urge you to keep striving for the truth. For it is the truth that will set you free. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will reign in your heart. May the Lord bless you as you diligently seek him and grant you godly wisdom and strength through your journey. You see to the right that he's married and has two wonderful, beautiful children. Now, I don't know if I was in Nick's situation, if I could be of the same mind and attitude that Nick has. I mean, I'm sure there's times when life is overwhelming, when he's unhappy, when he can't care for himself like he would like to, when he can't do the things that other people do when he is looked down upon by others because he has no arms and legs. But in the midst of the struggles, in his physical, mental, and emotional struggles, he is filled 
with the joy of the Lord. If you've never heard him speak, it's really easy. Just go on YouTube, type his name. V-U-J-A-C-I-C. I think it's in the outline there too. Type his name, listen to some of his messages. It's impressive and powerful what he has to say. See, joy doesn't happen just because we are happy, right? We've talked about this before, so I don't want to belabor the point. But joy is a fruit of the Spirit that comes, that's given to us by the Spirit of God. And we rejoice because we know that God is with us, within us, and working for us. So we're called to live in joy, but we are also called to pray in joy. Paul says in Philippians 1, 3 to 4, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Do you have joy when you pray for others? You think of someone, you go, oh, I need to pray for that person. You start to pray for them, and a joy builds up inside of you? It should. Regardless of what going, what's going on in that other person's life, the joy should come by the fact that we are praying to the God of the universe, the God who can actually do something for them. That should bring joy in our lives. And we should tell people when we're praying for them, I'm praying for you. Have you ever done that to a non-Christian? It's wonderful. I love it. I'm praying for you. And they look at you like, what? I'm praying for you. God's going to do a work in your life. What? What are you talking about? And it's fun to see when God works in their life and say, see, I was praying for you. See, God's working in your life. God's trying to touch your heart. That's a joyful experience when you pray to others, to the God who can do something, who actually somehow allows our prayer to affect a situation. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing that we pray and God says, I call you to pray, I want you to pray, and in your praying, in fact, I'm going to wait till you pray to do something. I'm not going to act until you pray. And we get a partner with God through prayer in the acts that God is doing in and through our lives and in and through the lives of other people and in this world. It is joyful to pray. I hope when you pray, you experience the joy of the Lord. Really, the time that we experience joy the most is when we put our confidence in Christ Paul, if you read Philippians 3, 1 to 8, he talks about all the things of the flesh that he could boast about, all the things that make him appear to be wonderful, this wonderful person, right? All these accolades of who he is, how he was born and, and he was a Pharisee and all these things about him. He says, I could put my confidence in all these things, Philippians 3, 1 to 8, or I can put my confidence in Christ. See, before he knew Jesus, he put his confidence in himself. He put his confidence in his flesh. He put his confidence in his in achievements. Once he found Christ, he put his confidence in Christ. And he found that that is the only way that you can experience joy when you put your confidence in Christ and you reside in Christ and you let Christ work in and through your life. And he even said in Philippians 4.12, be content in all circumstances. We'll talk about that more when we get to peace. Going back to Jesus' words in the Gospel of John, uh, we are reading John 15, 10, and 11, and Jesus says, if you obey my commands, then you will experience joy. If you obey my commands, you will experience my joy. Remember, 
this important verse that Paul says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Sorry, I spoke fast. <laughs> who have been called according to his purpose. Paul knows that good works in those things when we love him and we obey him and we walk with him. You guys know I love Calvin and Hobbes. And in this particular commentary, Calvin walks in and he says, hey, Dad, can I take the gas can from the lawnmower to the back lawn? And his dad says, what on earth do you want the gas can for? He says, well, I want to pour gasoline on the grass, and I want to spell words, and I want to set it on fire so that planes that fly overhead can see it. This is a five-year-old boy, right? Of course, you see his father react quite strongly, right? He says, no, you can't do that. Don't be ridiculous. And in the last frame, he's, he's sitting there just flabbergasted. He says, I don't even know. I don't even want to know what he wanted to write. <laughs> Calvin always is getting in trouble. Calvin is always disobedient. You know, there is no joy in being disobedient. There is no joy that comes from getting in trouble. Jesus says, follow my, my commands, obey my commands, walk in my way, walk in my will. Then when you do that, you will put yourself in a place where my joy can be poured out in you. You will put yourself in a place where the fruit of joy can be built up within you. Earlier, I was talking about Nick Vujicic, and I was talking about how he enjoyed life so much. And the reason why he's able to enjoy his life so much is because of how strong a Christian he is, how he relies on the Lord, how he lets the Lord's strength fill him, how he lets the Lord's joy envelop him, how he let the Lord's peace be upon him. And because of that, he can be the person he is, is in the midst of his struggles and challenges in life. The fruit of joy is built up in Nick time and time again, because he walks in God's will and knows that God has a plan and a purpose for his life. Isn't that amazing? That he could stand, well, he can't even really stand, right? He'll even, he'll even say that, well, I can't stand on two legs, right? But I'm still feeling the joy of the Lord, he would say. You know, he makes, he makes little jokes like that all the time so that people won't be uncomfortable with his appearance, right? He points it out so they can say, it doesn't matter what I look like. I'm filled with the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is being built up in me and is growing in me, I can enjoy the life that God has given to me. I mean, there's videos of him swimming and playing soccer and surfing. He's doing all these things. He's not afraid to try anything because the joy of the Lord is in him. Jesus himself remained in the Father's love and obeyed God's commands. And he tells us to do it as well. And he says, if you do it, if you obey his commands, if you walk in his way, if you walk in his will, then you will experience the joy of the Lord. As we walk in the love of God and in the commands of God, the, the ways of the world will not overwhelm us. How often do we get overwhelmed by the challenges and the pressures and the busyness and the hardships and the heartache and the struggles, and the trials of life. But when we walk in obedience to God's way, and God's word, the joy of the Lord fills us. In Philippians 4, 6, the Apostle Paul challenges us with these words. He says, do not be anxious 
about anything. Wow, I mean, this is a tough, les tough lesson this morning, right? First he says about joy, rejoice always. And then he says, don't be anxious about anything. You ever heard that you're never supposed to use extreme words like that, right? Always, never, right? But he does that, doesn't he? He says, rejoice always, and he says, do not be anxious about anything. See, anxiety is not a modern problem. It's not even a Western world problem. Anxiety is a problem of all time, of all peoples. If it were not so, Paul would not have written about it. Paul would not have, to have had to deal with it. Anxiety is something that's always existed in the world, right? We think in the Western world, we're so busy, we created anxiety, right? We didn't create anxiety. Maybe we, we perfected it. I don't know. But we didn't create it. Anxiety has been around for all ages. I'm calling this, this series on the fruit of spirit the war within because it starts within us. It starts within us. We're called to love, as we talked about last week. And so to love, we need to learn what love is, right? We need to learn how to love ourselves first by being loved by the Lord and accepting who we are in the Lord so then we can love others. And then we also need to begin to understand joy and peace so that we then can live out this joy and peace in and through our lives. It starts within we must understand it. We must receive it. We must allow God to begin to grow it in our lives within. And so when we think of peace, oftentimes we think of anxiety, don't we? It's anxiety and peace that keep us, or anxiety and, uh, and worry that keep us from being at peace. So I want you to, this is going to be interactive for a moment. I want you to shout out some of the things that people worry about, some of the things that cause people anxiety. What are some of those things? Health, Health. money. I, I can't hear. You got to be louder. Health, health. Public speaking. There you go. People, not dogs. Okay, people cause you anxiety. Oh, there's a dog. Oh, so nice. Oh, people. Ah, right. Okay, what else? People, health, public speaking. Children can cause you anxiety. Yeah, those of you that have younger children, you're like, amen to that, amen. Older children, amen. I have no influence in their life anymore. Oh no, what am I going to do? Anxiety goes up, right? Parents cause you anxiety. Oh, all the parents are like, no, never. We're good. Parents, grandparents, we're all good, right? <laughs> trying to be perfect, right? Trying to be perfect, trying to do everything right creates anxiety. We want to do it right, right? Expectations of others on us create anxiety, right? These things cause us worry because we want life to go smoothly. Sometimes we even want, like, want life to be easy, right? And so we begin to try to calculate how we can resolve these issues. Say we get in an argument with someone and, and we're not in a right relationship. And so we start to think about how can I make that relationship right? And you maybe even start to think about what should I say to that person? But the more you think about that relationship, the more you dwell in it, the more your anxiety goes up. Right? Or maybe you uh, are dealing with a health issue. 
You start to think, oh, I have to see the doctor. What kind of therapy am I going to have? What kind of medication is going to have? How is this going to impact my life? How is this going to limit? And you start to think more and more and more about your health issue, right? And what happens? Your anxiety level goes up, doesn't it? Or you think about financial issues, and you think about how you're short on finances, and how am I going to buy food? How am I going to... Am I going to lose my house? Or what am I going to do about this? And you start to think more and more, how can I get a job because I lost my job? Or how can I get a better job because I need more money? Or oh, how can I deal with this? And the more you think about it, what happens? Your anxiety goes up. See how that works? The more we dwell on the things, the more anxiety goes up. All the while, our thoughts have done little to resolve our problems. Another aspect that causes anxiety is playing the what-if game. What if this would have happened? What if this could have changed? A number of years ago, I was coaching Tyler's baseball team. He's 12 years old, and uh, he was pitching this particular game. Tyler was a very good pitcher, and so he's pitching this game, pitching a very good game. Uh, we scored a run. We went up one to nothing. Then he gave up a couple runs. We went down two to one, and then we tied it up two to two. And then we went ahead, three to two. Well, in Little League, there's something called a pitch count. Pitchers are only allowed to throw so many pitches. They're protecting the arm of the pitcher. You know, it's from the, from the competitive manager that wants to win the game. They'll pitch their, their, their 12-year-old 200 pitches to win a game, right? So they have like 75 pitches or 90 pitches or something. So at the end of the fifth inning, Tyler had reached his pitch count. And six inning, the games are six innings. So we had one more inning to go. We're up three to two. So I bring in another pitcher. He walks a batter. An error happens. They get a couple more runs. We lose six to three. Sounds like the Dodgers, right? <laughs> so um, the rest of that day, probably into the next day, and if I confess, probably for the next week, I played the what-if game. What if Tyler didn't have a pitch limit and I didn't have to take him out? What if that pitcher I brought in, who was a very good pitcher, one of our best pitchers, what if he, if he hadn't had a bad day? What if we hadn't made that error? What if we hadn't made those running mistakes that cost us a couple runs? What if, what if, what if? Right? If this would have happened, what if Dave Roberts didn't leave Caleb Ferguson in another inning last night? What if, right? Those of you who saw the game know what I'm talking about. The what-if game does not help because it doesn't change the situation that already happened. It's past. You can't say what-if this, what-if that. And we do it all the time, and it creates greater anxiety in our life. We cannot be at peace in ourselves. If there's something that we are called to do, then we can do it, right? But we can't worry about what we can. And usually what we worry about is what we're not in control of, Right? The way you deal with it is you give it to God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. See, how we would not be anxious? We pray. Again, pray to the God who can do something. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And read with me. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You're like, God, tell me how you're going to give me peace, right? Explain it to me. No, it surpasses our understanding. And how do you get it? You don't get it unless you release it to God and let God take it from you. 
and then you forget about it. Now, I know what I'm saying is easier said than done, right? It's hard for us to give things away. Maybe, I don't think I've done this here, but I want everyone to hold their hand out that way. Okay, now turn your hand up, close your hand. Okay, now you have your prayer in your hand, okay? And so when you open your hand, say, here, God, take it. And as God goes to reach at it, what do we often do? Here, God, take it. Take it, God, take it. How come you aren't taking it, right? You ever played that game with a, like a dog, right? Give it to me, give it to me, right? They're like, they want you to throw the ball, but they won't give it back to you, right? And that's what's going on right now. Turn your hand that way, and you have your prayer in your hand, and you say, God, take my prayer from me. And you open your hand. You can't take it back. It falls away. God takes it. You've released it. You've let it go. You need to let go of your worries if you're going to experience peace. And you need to pray to the Lord who can do something about it. Jesus said this. Read it with me. Matthew 6, 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Your worry does not help your situation. In fact, it hurts you. Oftentimes it's shown that anxiety and stress and worry actually hurts your health, causes health issues. One more quick note of worry is that of our world situation, right? It doesn't take long watching the news, reading the newspaper, seeing the headlines, reading a magazine, that anxiety in you increases because of our world situation. Just a few headlines I came across, right? This happened in Gardena last week. Man dies after altercation with family members. How terrible is that? Another one, suicidal man flies plane into his home containing wife and son. Terrible. Emerging market currencies hit multi-year lows as Turkish sell-off spreads. So we always hear about this violence locally and internationally. We hear of a financial crisis. We, we see all around us, right, murder and crime and theft. And I mean, the news is just full of all these things. And the more you see it, the more anxious you get about our world that we live in. The problem is if we dwell on things like that too much, we will become anxious. So what's the, what's the, the answer? Well, Paul gives us an answer. Read the yellow with me. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What is the answer? Answer is to reflect on the things of the Lord. The answer is to reflect on those things that are noble and right and pure and lovely. Reflect on those things. Don't allow your mind to dwell on those negative things, on the things that cause, whatever it is that's causing you stress, worry, anxiety. Don't let your mind dwell on that. I encourage you to, to memorize these two verses. And whenever you start to have anxiety, or maybe even Philippians 6 through 9, right? Whenever you have any kind of anxiety for a while, just repeat these four verses. Repeat and repeat them and let it dwell in your mind and let it wash over your, your very being. A son asks his father, Dad, will you, will you join with me in, in doing a marathon? 
And the dad had a heart condition, but his son really wanted to do it. And he said, so, sure, dad, sure, son, I'll do that with you. And so they participated, and they completed a marathon. And then they did another one, and then they did another one. And then his son got really bold and said, Dad, I want to do an Ironman together. Now, if you don't know what an Ironman is, it starts with a 2.4-mile swim in the ocean. Starts. And then it goes to a 112-mile bike ride. And then it finishes with a 26.2 marathon. That's what the Ironman is. And this father did it with his son. But what was interesting about this story is the son has cerebral palsy. So the father had to push his son through all these events. But if you look at the face of the son, see his fist is out like that? It's as if the son did it himself. Isn't that beautiful? The father, even though he had a heart condition, why would he risk it? They weren't going to win any races. They finished a marathon. Why did they do more? Because the son wanted to do it. And in this picture, you can see the joy and the peace that the son has because his father is there pushing him, and they are doing it together. Isn't that beautiful? See, this is what's true about our own lives. There's things that we can't accomplish, but we know there are things that God wants us to accomplish. Maybe we're, we get anxiety about it, or maybe we think, I can never do that, Lord. And the guy, the guy says, that's right, you can't do that on your own. You can only do it with my help. If you want to do it, then let me push you. Let me push you. Let me help you accomplish it. And then as we accomplish it together, you will feel like you did it yourself too. See, that's why we should never take credit for what we do. Because it's God that's doing it with us and for us and allowing us to participate in it. So often we are not content with life because we don't accomplish what we want to. But if we would only focus on what God wants us to do, then we will indeed be content in life. Philippians 4.11 says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content with other circumstances. If you learn to be content in your circumstances, or you like the little kids and you're always looking at like, oh, I wish I had that, I don't have that. Oh, look, at that person has that, I wish I had that. Are you always wanting something you don't have? Or have you learned how to be content with what you have? You will not experience the joy and the peace of the Lord in your life until you've learned to be content with what God has given you. And then Paul says this. Read with me. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Look to the Lord to be your strength. Look to the Lord to give you joy and give you peace. Let him bear that fruit in your life. Let's pray.